The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss illegal tech and artificial intelligence. Joining us is Colin Levy, who is the Director of Legal and Evangelism for Malbec, which is today's most modern, cutting-edge CLM solution with a proprietary AI core that empowers the enterprise to do more with less. Malbec provides end-to-end contract management with seamless integration to Salesforce, Workday, Slack, Office 365, and more, reducing cycle times. Yesterday, Colin and I talked about the unraveling of the legal tech ecosystem, and today we're going to continue our conversation talking about the impact of AI on the legal sector. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Colin Levy, the Director of Legal and Evangelism for Malbec. Colin, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again for having me. Excited to have you back on the show. You know, I'm very proud of us. We went through an entire episode yesterday without really getting into the details of artificial intelligence impact on legal, because every episode that we have in some way or shape or form this year has been about artificial intelligence until now. And look, that gives us the entire day today to talk about what is happening with AI and the legal ecosystem. I think it's fascinating. I think artificial intelligence, generally, we think about it as touching every single industry and every business in the same way that the proliferation of smartphones changed how we communicate and use technology 10, 20 years ago. But it's also being verticalized. And so I want to talk specifically about AI's impact on the legal sector. Nobody better in the world to talk to about that than you. Tell me about what's happening with AI when it comes to the legal sector. Sure. Well, it's definitely been a topic that has been heavily talked about for seemingly days on end at this point. I would start off by saying that I think artificial intelligence is more accessible than ever to everyone everywhere because of the rise of generative artificial intelligence, i.e. tools that can generate content, whether it's imagery or text, through simply almost interacting with it as if it were human, even though it's not. So I think from the legal, you know, in terms of impacts upon the legal sector, I think what is right now kind of being a little bit of a reckoning for the sector is the realization that artificial intelligence now and for the foreseeable future is going to 
dramatically reshape what it means to be a lawyer and do legal work because we've seen artificial intelligence be able to draft documents, review documents, come up with new types of content, and do all sorts of sort of administrative tasks that used to be done by lawyers and were time-consuming, and now it can be done by artificial intelligence in mere minutes, which dramatically reshapes what it means to be a lawyer and also what it means to be spending time as a lawyer. So I think what we're seeing more and more now of and we'll continue to see is rise in sort of more service and oriented legal services, i.e. lawyers and legal service providers working with clients to create products and solutions with the help of AI, as opposed to doing more tactical day-to-day work, because that work now is going to be done by AI and will continue to be done by AI. So I'm terrified. (laughs) And if I were a lawyer, I'd probably be terrified too. Does this mean that we're just going to put all of our contracting work in the hands of artificial intelligence to look back on previously what has been stated as opposed to craft language that specifically addresses the problems that we're trying to face? Like, is a lawyer that is trained and has a human's sum of knowledge going to be more efficient than artificial intelligence that can look back over the entire world's history of case law? How much are we relying on artificial intelligence in legal to make decisions as opposed to write the decisions that we want to be included in our contracts? Well, if it's any comfort to you, we are not at the point where artificial intelligence is going to be the sole decision maker with respect to how to proceed with respect to a matter or a contract or what have you. It's really going to be a tool by your side to help inform your strategy and help you do your job better because artificial intelligence right now is still limited in a number of ways, including it may be taking things too literally or it may only have a limited data set in which it's looking at something through and you've access to a larger set of data. And or honestly, because artificial intelligence solutions are created by humans and humans are themselves imperfect, the tools themselves are not going to be perfect either, at least not yet. So I do think we're a ways away from it being kind of solely given decision-making authority, but we are in the position now where we're going to be able to have it helping us make a better, more informed, more data-driven decision with respect to whatever we may be working on. I've said this before on the podcast multiple times, we're either in the sandwich phase or the Oreo cookie phase of artificial intelligence, where a human prompts the AI to complete an action, the artificial intelligence, the cream of the Oreo cookie, completes the action, and then a human needs to look at it to make sure that it is correct and what we wanted. We can't just rely on artificial intelligence to produce the right output that we want. I'm assuming that's still the case in legal as well. And I'll be honest, when I'm writing my contracts now, I am defaulting to going towards artificial intelligence to help me craft my contract term language more than I am going to my counsel because most of the time I'm modifying an existing relationship and it it just allows me to have a legal resource, but not necessarily one that I have to pay for to edit a sentence here or there. For the marketers that are working with their legal team, how much should they be feeling comfortable using tools like chat GPT to be able to draft contract language and how much should they still be defaulting towards going to the council that's either on staff or third party? So I think the way that I would approach it is these tools are very good at creating first drafts, rough first drafts of documents. They're not particularly good at this point of creating documents that are final, perfect polished drafts. So I think I would approach it that way. 
The other thing I would also be aware of is that the data you're sharing with these tools is kind of going to a little bit of a black box. So I would be careful with sharing confidential information. That said, I think if you already have an existing contract and you're using a generative AI solution to help rewrite a specific clause or add something in or what have you, it probably can do that fairly well. But in terms of drafting a great contract right at the bat, it definitely is not going to be good for that at this point, unless you're using a more specific solution that likely has some human input associated with it. Yeah, what I'm doing is I'm taking a template and saying, hey, here are the business terms, fill out this template with who owns the IP. You know, I've got two clauses, one where I own the IP, one where the company that's hiring me owns the IP. It's like, here's the template. This company wants to own the IP. Here's the term length. Here's the whatever. And then write the final draft and I'm reading through. So I think that there's a way to use templates to create a formulaic output with your contracts. And that's something that we've leaned on. There in marketing are platforms like ChatGPT. We've Google barred a whole handful of other ones. Obviously, Microsoft has been heavily focused on artificial intelligence. So let me ask you, when we come to things like Microsoft Copilot, that is more of a platform play for lawyers. How much do you think that tools like Microsoft Copilot are going to transform the legal industry? So I think those tools are going to be really valuable because, and I'm a little bit biased because I tend to be in favor of specific tools that do very specific things really well, because I think there often has a tendency to create a tech solution that does a lot of different things, but none of them well. So I certainly think that that Microsoft tool, for example, or Case Texas co-counsel tool, for example, could be really useful in terms of achieving specific goals that you want to achieve in doing legal work mainly because they're trained to do these specific things well. So I think point solutions are really good and going to continue to be pretty powerful in influencing the direction in the legal industry and how work is performed. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. 
So there's tools like Harvey AI, which are more point solutions. Is that the type of thing that you're talking about where they are specifically solving individual problems for lawyers? And where should those tools that are popping up now be aiming? What are the point solutions they should be focused on? So I certainly think that Harvey is one of those point solutions. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that there are a number of different tools out there that are really good in terms of taking this approach. For example, like I said before, there is Case Texas Co-Counsel. There's Clear Brief for writing better briefs. There's a tool called Proxy, which is focused on legal workflows in terms of sort of administratively managing a matter and who's working on it and who's touching what documents and what documents are associated with that matter which is ordinarily a bit of an administrative nightmare for a lawyer, but now makes it a lot easier, more automated, and more centralized and cohesive. So I think there are a number of tools out there that really can help do these things pretty well. And I continue to see a lot of potential for them going forward because people really want tools that can help them do specific things well. Lawyers tend to be pretty focused on getting help with specific tasks as much as they are focused on more broader overall function tasks as well. There's a black box focus here where this happens at MarTech as well. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on whether it's happening in legal tech, where there is a point solution that solves a specific problem. And you can't tell whether they've actually built proprietary data sets, processes, code, algorithms, or if they're just a marketing engine that is basically saying, hey, we'll take your legal inputs. We've got some templates and we're going to feed it to something like chat GPT to get a result. How do you tell whether the tools you're using are basically leveraging these larger nondescript platforms like ChatGPT to use artificial intelligence, or if there is actual real solutions, technology, something that is proprietary built with a point solution? So generally speaking, I think that requires to be asking the right questions and be doing your due diligence when you're valuing these platforms. I'd say by and large, most tend to be fairly transparent with respect to what the, their underlying technology is. Likely that occurs after you signed an NDA and are sort of in the evaluation stage. I agree with you that certainly there could be more transparency with respect to those foundational models that these tools are using. I have to give credit to Microsoft for being pretty open about their support of OpenAI and using that as the basis for their models. But I think other tech companies could be more open as well. And certainly, I think within legal tech, there's been a push to be more transparent, partly driven by data privacy law and partly driven by the demands of potential clients for them to have more knowledge about what they're entrusting their data with. So what I'm hearing from you, and I'm thinking about this from a sort of a verticalization of artificial intelligence perspective. There are platforms that are integrated into the existing tool sets we use, like Microsoft's Copilot, where you can use artificial intelligence while you're drafting agreements. Then there are point solutions meant to help you create your documents, help you with your workflow management, help you with your briefs, help you with your case law, whatever the point solution is. Where are the opportunities that aren't being addressed by artificial intelligence in legal tech? So I think this is partly driven by the slowness of the legal industry to fully adopt any type of technology. I think that the opportunity right now with artificial intelligence and for the legal industry is the creation of more specialized solutions for clients using artificial intelligence. And I also think there's an opportunity for there to be more data-driven analytical solutions being provided to clients using artificial intelligence. Because for a long time, 
the delivery of legal services has been based on experience, history, and what you have been taught and learned over the years. And I think artificial intelligence and other technologies are kind of turning that a little round on its head and showing that you can actually use data to better drive sort of your strategy and your approach to not just performing legal work, but delivering legal work. And with respect to sort of the creation of solutions for clients, I think we've seen an emphasis on that as evidenced by law firms establishing their own sort of legal tech subsidiaries that are focused on working in partnership with clients to develop solutions and working in partnership with tech companies to develop solutions then to sell to clients. There's a thousand lawyer jokes that can be made. I will skip most of them. But I think that generally when people think about working with their counsels, mostly if they're hiring an outside counsel, the gripe is, man, hiring a lawyer gets stupid expensive quickly. And there's so much risk when you're potentially going through litigations, even doing your contracting. It's like somebody that's gone through this much education, like a doctor, ends up being very expensive, hundreds of dollars of billable hours. And that always ruffles people's feathers, hence the bad reputation. Do you think that legal tech and artificial intelligence are going to change the calculus for how the legal profession bills and how expensive it is to get good contracts because a fair amount of it is going to be built using technology? Absolutely. I think that there's already been a move to make the accessing of legal services and the accessing legal information more democratic and cheaper. So I certainly think that you know the creation of contracts, for example, or accessing a document that you need to fill out to file a claim or what have you, I think is becoming more accessible thanks to technology. So certainly costs are going down. And that speaks, I think, directly to the closing of the gap in terms of access to justice, which has really been something that I think has driven some, if not all, of legal tech. And I really appreciate it and kind of emphasize that that is really the aim of a lot of legal tech solutions. So leveling the playing field, something interesting that comes out of the AI revolution, where we think about our ability to not only create our contracts, get access to all sorts of different case law, to understand what our legal risks are, the more that technology is evolving, it's not just helping us with our marketing efforts, it's helping us to mitigate our risk as well. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Colin Levy, the Director of Legal and Evangelism for Malbec. If you'd like to hear more from Colin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Clevy underscore law. That's C-L-E-V-Y underscore L-A-W. Or you can visit his website, which is colinslevy.com, C-O-L-I-N-S-L-E-V-Y.com. You can also find Colin's book, Legal Tech Ecosystem, on Amazon. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.